Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté que la grande famille de l'Église 180. Hey, you can have a seat, everyone, and uh, take off your masks uh, if you're comfortable doing that. And hey, if you're watching online, a special welcome to you. Maybe you're listening on a podcast, uh, you're watching uh, later because of scheduling stuff, and you're still not comfortable maybe joining us in person, we understand. But when you are ready to join us in person, we are here. And uh, we are really excited, and it's so nice to see many of you. Uh, you know, uh, some of you that are part of the 180 know this. Uh, my wife and I and our kids had a chance to just be away for a few weeks, and uh, It's a real blessing to get away. It was not restful in any way. Uh, next time we go on vacation, we're going to be looking for some families in the church that we can leave our kids with. So if you're interested, just email us. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it wasn't as restful. It was, uh, it was a good time away. But one of the things that, you know, uh, we got to do while we were away is, is not only visit family, but to connect with a partner church. That's actually a church that has supported the 180 for a long, long time, really from the beginning. Uh, you'll see a picture, and it's called Forest City Community Church. I had a chance to be there. And one of the things that I realized as I was at this church is that they are struggling with the COVID stuff just as we are. And every church, no matter where they are, is trying to figure out, God, what does it mean to be your people, to be obedient, to trust you, and at the same time to figure out what does it mean to be a good citizen and all that stuff. So, you know, just being there reminded me that although this church is struggling and trying to find their way, trying to make sense of everything, they still support a small church in Quebec called the 180. They still give and support and pray and believe in what we're doing. Many people of that church believe in what we're doing and they've never even been here. And they're giving sacrificially. And so I want to thank so many of you. Maybe you're watching online, you're part of Forest City, you know who you are, and you've been supporting our church. I just want to say a special thank you for doing that and for committing to doing that together, even though it's hard and overwhelming. We're all learning how to do that together. And it's a real gift for us. And if it's brand new for you and you're kind of new, uh, you know, we don't want you to feel any of those pressures. But part of worshiping God is that we're learning to give back. And so we're doing that together. We actually have been in a series for the summer. And some of you know this. We're about like, kind of right at the middle of the series. And we've been in a series trying to help us think about maturity. One of the things I'm going to do for people online, they're going to not see me in the shot, is get my chair. All right, there we go. Uh, one of the things we've been trying to do is, is talk about the theme of maturity and to try to think about what it means that God calls us to grow up. Now, all of you know this. All of us have the tendency to maybe uh, no, not do the right thing at the right time, to maybe act in an inappropriate way. Just think of someone you know, maybe that's immature. Maybe you think of yourself. Uh, thanks, bro. Uh, and, and we've been trying to think about this idea of maturity and what it means to live lives where we're growing in this way. And I want to begin this morning by asking you a very simple question. How many of you think that the world could use just a little bit more kindness these days. Anyone? You read stuff on the internet, you're like, you could have said that in a kind way. You hear a conflict, a disagreement, people have different perspectives, you're like, 
You could have done that, done that like in a kind way. Every time I think about this idea of kindness, not only do I think about the world we're living in right now, I think about my own life, and I asked myself this question this week, as we're going to talk about this in a second. I thought about, Dom, are you kind? Like, think about this. You don't have to raise your hand. No embarrassment. It's not a shame thing. Are you a kind person? I'll, I'll start with the confession. I'm kind to people who are kind. Anyone? It's so easy. You ever meet people that are kind? You're like, I love them. Tell your friends about, they're like a good person. And then you realize that kindness really is tested when you meet people that are not kind. And you're like, please tell me the Bible doesn't talk about kindness. Well, it does. And actually, we've been looking at this section of the Bible that invites us to not only look at kindness, but to look at the things that God is trying to grow in us. You'll see it on the slide here, and it's a section in Galatians. You can just go to the slide, and, and this is the different things we've been looking at. Today, we're going to talk about kindness. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing to all of us. As we surrender our lives to God, He starts to produce the stuff in us, and some of that comes maybe more naturally than others, and this is the kind of stuff that's produced in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control kindness. I, I said this at the beginning of the series, is that I'm not just talking about just being a nice person. Like, you can do some of these things, and maybe you know someone that does some of these things that's not even a Christian. Like, I know people that are more patient than me. Like, if you heard last week's sermon, Matteo maybe mentioned about patience, and he made fun of Pastor Dom, so his sermon will be deleted off the internet after today's service. No, but some of these come more naturally to some of us. But the Bible says that there's a type of kindness that is being produced in us by the Holy Spirit. Like, it's not something you just fall into by mistake. It's not something you just like, today I'm going to be kind. It's actually something that is produced and developed in us as this fruit that is growing in us. You know, I was working on the sermon this week, and I thought, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on kindness in my life. I don't think I ever heard a sermon on kindness. And even I was chatting with Dave, our worship team, we sometimes connect and sometimes our music is connected to the message. And I thought, I can't remember like more than like maybe two or three songs about kindness at all. Because kindness, I think we assume, is something we just fall into on a good day. And if we're having a bad day, well, we have an excuse. I'm having a bad day. Sorry that I'm mean. Too bad. But the Bible says that there's a type of kindness that is being produced in us by the Holy Spirit. Are you a kind person? Are you the kind of person that in your kindness you point other people to how kind God is to you? This is what I want to talk about this morning. A special kind of kindness. And I want to talk about it in such a way where we think about whether we're becoming mature. Whether we're really growing in this idea of spiritual maturity. Because the whole series is really about us wanting to grow up, us wanting to really commit to saying, God, help us to realize that there is no way, no way, which way? Like, no way of following Jesus more than like three minutes without realizing, oh my goodness, if we follow this guy, we're going to have to grow up. There is no way. If you follow Jesus, and if you were with him, and if you read the Bible, you realize as you follow him, he was calling people to grow up. And to grow up, it doesn't just mean to get old. 
It meant to become mature and to have this fruit kind of grow in them, this kind of fruit. And today we're going to focus on kindness. But I want to highlight just the idea of how the Bible talks about maturity. You might be surprised, but many people in the Bible thought that maturity wasn't a big deal. Maybe you know people like this. You know people that are like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to be immature. We sometimes say, like, you act like a child. You know, you know somebody who's maybe, like, older, and you expect them to be more mature, and then they're still, like, children. You're like, you know, there are people you would never hire, but you wouldn't tell them that. There are people that you don't want your, your, husband, your daughter or your son to marry because they're, like, immature. Like, all kinds of things. We have, like, cultural things that in our hearts and in our minds tell us, that person seems, like, immature. Well, the Bible defines immaturity in a very different way. And we have this section of the Bible that helps us to think about certain things in our lives that we probably don't want to talk about having to do with whether we're mature people. So I'm going to read it for you, and it's going to sting a little bit, I promise. You you should have stayed home this morning. It was a good Sunday to stay home, but you're here. And this is what it says in Hebrews. This is what we're told about this. That, That the writer to the Hebrews says this, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk. I'm already offended. For someone who lives on milk doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training, they live and they practice their faith, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Wow, I'm so offended. Usually when stuff offends you, it's a sign on whether you're mature, right? You read this and you're like, what? That there were people in the Bible times that thought that they could just, I'm a Christian, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I love God, I'm a good person, I help, but they remained babies as it related to their spiritual lives. And the Bible says one of the images you want to think of in your head is that they're like babies who just always drink milk. I'm, just to be honest, I was studying this passage, and all I kept thinking about is the Baby Boss movie. Any of you see this? Don't watch it. It's garbage. But it just, it's just the idea. I had this image in my head, right, of like a baby trying to be the boss. It's just this, it, a cultural image, right? But the Bible says this is what starts to happen, that when you don't grow up, you start to just become a child. You get older, but you're still like a child, still immature. And this is kind of something that we all have to pay attention to in our lives. We have to really grow up and say, God, I need your help to really grow up and become someone who's mature and takes things seriously. And, and one of the things that really stood out for me is this idea that it says, you have been believers so long. Like some translations say, by now. Can everyone just say, by now? By now. What do you think by now means? Like by now. We're not told, is it like you've been a Christian for one year? By now, you've been a Christian for 20 years. By now, by this point, you should know a few of these things. By now. We recently took our kids just to a visit for the doctor, and they had a little checkup. The doctor pulls out all this chart, measures them, weighs them, all this stuff. And the doctor starts using this kind of language, right? By now, your kid should be this tall. By now, your kid should be able to speak like this. By now, your kid should be this this is how much they do. By now, by now. We have all this criteria. And then it comes to our Christian faith, and we're like, by now. How do we know by now? So let's play a game. Ready? If you've been a Christian and following Jesus and reading your Bible for more than one year, don't put your hand up, for more than one year, should you be able by now to pray with someone else? Don't tell anyone, just in your mind. Think about it. 
If you've been a Christian and learning to follow Jesus and growing for two years, by now, should you be someone who's surrendering your finances to the ways of God? You don't have to tell anybody. It's hard to know, right? Thousand dollars. But the Bible does say that by now, there's some things you should be able to do now. And so what I've done is I just wrote down these. I'm just going to give you three that come from this passage before we talk about what? Kindness. Okay? Because I want you to think about kindness in light of being mature. Not just, I hope you're nice to nice people. Something deeper than that. You can go to the next slide. And this is it. By now, you should. This is really what the passage emphasizes. By now, you should know how to pass on the faith. The passage says you should be able to teach someone else the basic beliefs about what it means to be a Christian. By now. By now, you should be able to tell someone why Christians get baptized when they say yes to Jesus. Could you explain that to someone? By now. Could you just pass on the faith? If this is something that you still struggle with and you have small kids, come see us. This is really important for us to be passing on and being able to teach the basic things. Now, the Bible says you should be able to teach, and we think, oh, I'm not a teacher. That's Dom's job. The, 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 verse, the, the, the word for teacher doesn't mean a university teacher. It means someone who can just pass on the elementary teachings of the faith to someone else. Could you just share that with someone? By now. The other one says, like, you don't know what right or wrong is. That's what the passage says. By now, you should know how to make decisions that lead to discipleship. I struggle with this one a lot. I struggle with this one so much because I know how to make decisions that would lead things in my favor. I know how to make decisions that would make me successful. I know how to make decisions that turn out in my favor. I, I know how to do that. But to make decisions that are right decisions, even though they're painful decisions, those I don't know how to do all the time. But by now, you should know that. By now. Have you understood that by the training and practicing your faith, you're not just a spectator, but a servant by now. And so one of the things that we've tried to do is to say, God, as we grow up, help us to be people who feel that there's consequences to staying immature. There are real consequences to pretending that we can just do what we want. And as we think about this, I want to tell you about a time when the disciples who are following Jesus, they don't understand this yet. They're following Jesus. They don't get it yet. They're with him. And Jesus is starting to feel the pressure. And this is the pressure that Jesus is feeling. Other people want to kill him. Have you ever felt that before? Anyone? No. Okay. So it's going to be hard to understand this passage. Because Jesus wakes up and thinks, oh, today they're trying to kill me. And when you open your Bible and you read this, you're like, uh, I'm trying to get my head into this, but I don't know that feeling. Jesus realizes that his days are coming to an end because he's going to have to die on the cross. And his disciples realize that as Jesus is teaching, sometimes his teaching get harder to understand. They're like pushing against them to be like, guys, guys, you've been with me for how long now? By this time, three years, you should know certain things. You should kind of understood this. And they don't get it yet. And Jesus is like, oh boy, when you guys see me on the cross, it's going to be painful. Okay, so he's trying to kind of help them gently, like, okay, we're going to kind of do this. And the disciples are with Jesus. And this is what John tells us. If you have your Bible, you're online. John chapter 6, 7, 8 are the sections we're going to look at. And this is what it says. It's profound. It says this. After this, after Jesus is trying to teach his disciples, Jesus traveled around Galilee and he wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting the death. And Jesus' brother said to him, 
Leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. This is like one of my favorite verses. It's become one of my favorite verses. Isn't this great? That the followers of Jesus are like, Jesus, how are we going to get more followers on Twitter if you're always hiding? Like, how are we going to get more likes on Snapchat? Snapchat. Jesus, have you heard of Snapchat? If you hide, you're never going to be famous. Can you imagine Jesus' face as they're saying this? Like turning to them? You think I'm here to get famous? What the heck is wrong with you guys? Three years. You know what that's called? Immature. For three years. I've been with you. And you think that the goal is for me to be famous and do miracles? That's what you think this is about? They're like, we don't think Jesus is like that. He, by the way, he didn't yell like that. That's, that's me. Because <laughs> he was what? Kind. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it's like, I think he would have yelled in a kind way. Like, I think, I don't know how to do that yet, but he would have done that. But he would have looked at them and been like, are you kidding me right now? When I was really, really young and I was thinking about my life, I think that there were times where I'm like, I want to pick a job that's going to make me famous. So at first, I wanted to be a hockey player. Then, soccer player. I sucked at both of those. Then, a musician. Rockstar syndrome, anybody? Yeah? Okay, right here. Right? You look, all these things, what's going to get me out there? Networks, connections. And if I'm not I thought about this more, and I thought maybe part of what happens to all of us is even like being a pastor. Oh, that'll make me fail. Oh, that'll be good. And I read this passage this week, and Jesus is like, you think this is about me being famous? And so Jesus has this moment where he's trying to remind them that people want to kill him. That they want to, like, they're ready to kill him. And Jesus is trying to pay attention to this. And the disciples are like, you don't understand. And we're told in the Gospel of John that something happened. John is the only one who tells us the story. And I want to tell you the story because this is a story in John's Gospel that I think helps us feel the profound kindness of Jesus. The kind of kindness that points other people to a God who is kind. Let me just begin with this very simple idea. God has been kind to us. God has been kind to you. And Jesus, as he's teaching, he's trying to help people to understand this because they believe that God is mean. They believe that God punishes people and gets people back when they make mistakes. Now, there's very much, it's very clear that there's consequences if you do certain things. But people in the Bible are like, what are you talking about? Like, we're slaves in Rome. We're poor. We can't pay the bills. You're trying to tell us, Jesus, that there's a God who is kind. Jesus is like, that's exactly what I'm here to tell you. That even in the most messy, broken situation that you're in, there's a God who is kind. And the people that love that God, they are kind as well that we are the ones that are called to experience the kindness of God and that, that we too become kind. Not just to be a nice person when people are nice, but the kind of kindness that's what? That's being produced in us by the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is always doing something in us that points people to Jesus. 
And this is what we're told as Jesus is teaching. Okay, it's a profound story. Maybe you know it, but let me just read it for you. At dawn, which means early in the morning, so if you sleep in and you like watching this later, you would not be at this, okay? Because this is at dawn. He appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. This is kind of church gathering to teach. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. Wow. You imagine the feeling of being there, just learning with Jesus. He's just finished saying, like, listen, people want to kill me, want to be careful. Listen, I'm not here to be famous. And we're told by John, if you read, if you read in your Bible, there's a little verse there. It talks about how this is a complicated passage in our Bible. John is the only one who talks about it, and it doesn't appear in all the manuscripts for an important historical reason. Come to a Bible study. We talk about that stuff there. You know, and there's this moment where we're told that these religious leaders bring this woman caught in the act of adultery, and they bring her to Jesus, and Jesus is teaching And everybody's wondering, like, what does Jesus do? This is a really, like, intense moment in the life of Jesus. And so I want you to picture that there's three kind of people that are at the center of the story, okay? Three types of people. There's the woman who's being shamed and who's being, like, her sinfulness, her mistakes is being, like, put on the spotlight. Like, you know, everybody's going to watch this. There's these religious leaders that are looking for a way to kill Jesus, and there's the disciples who are watching Jesus teach. What would you do in this moment? I know people that would get up and be like, hey, leave her alone. It's none of your business what she does with her life. Maybe that's what you would do. Maybe you would get up and leave. Be like, I'm out of here. This is ridiculous. This is why I don't go to the temple. It's all about religion and the institution. I'm out of here. This is why I hate religion. I'm out of here. We don't know. But we're left in this moment, and we know that Jesus uses these types of moments to teach us something about the kindness of God. And this is what we're told happens next. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, teacher, I love this, this is great. This woman was caught in the act of adultery and in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap. Can you believe it? It just goes from bad to a whole lot worse. Now, if you don't feel how it got worse, let me explain it to you. It's really important you understand this. Jesus is a rabbi. That is a Jewish teacher and his Being a rabbi, you gain authority and followers by teaching the law of Moses. And those who taught the law of Moses properly got more followers. Those who taught the law of Moses in a way that wasn't aligned with the teachers of the law got less followers. And so they know that this is a moment where Jesus is kind of stuck in a trap. They know that this is the moment where they're going to show everybody that Jesus is, you know what? He's a fraud. This is not a real teacher. This is not a real rabbi. We're going to see what he does now. This is a moment where we're caught living in the tension of the brokenness of relationships in the Bible and in our own lives. 
As a pastor for years, one of the most painful things I've done is to be with people who've made horrible mistakes in their relationships and see those unravel in such a way where one thing that they thought was very, very private becomes very public and destroys their family. All the way from the Hebrew Bible, God warned his people to be those who keep their word, who protect their relationships, who are faithful, one of the fruit of the Spirit, right? To do that. And when that doesn't happen, everything unravels. And you see this. You're like, that sounds mean. Well, that's why I don't read the Bible. Does the Bible really say that? You should stone people when they do that? Listen, it's not just the Bible that talked this way. Even people who were not religious people in the Bible times believed that adultery was bad. You didn't have to be a follower of God to believe that. Almost every civilization believed in some ways early on that if you made a vow to somebody and you broke that, there's consequences. Had nothing to do with religion. But the law of Moses says there should be consequences. These kinds of consequences. And Jesus, we're told, gets down and begins to write in the sand. Like we have nothing that Jesus wrote himself. This is the only time we think we see that Jesus is writing. We don't know what he wrote in the sand. And this is what it said. So when he, they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let anyone who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stood up and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away. One at a time, the older one first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing if you have a Bible, you take notes on the side, you should write kind next to this. Because there's one thing that many people who read their Bible today who don't understand the law of Moses and the teachings of the Old Testament that miss that's something that Jesus could have done and to tell you the truth, something that I would have done. I would have taken that opportunity to embarrass and shame the religious leaders. I don't know about you, if somebody's planning to kill me every day, I'm thinking about ways of embarrassing them. If somebody wants to hurt me and is trying to get rid of me, I'm thinking of every chance I get to highlight that they're nuts. And we know that if you read the law of Moses, the law of Moses does not just say that you should stone the woman caught in the act of adultery. I have it for you in Deuteronomy. You can go to the passage. Let's go back slide. This is what it says. If a man is found sleeping with another man's wife, both the man who slept with her and the woman must die. That's what the law of Moses says. You know what Jesus could have done? He could have said, oh, you religious teachers of the law. Where's the man that was with this woman? Go find him and then come back and we'll talk about the law of Moses. Wouldn't that be great? A moment where Jesus shames these leaders, where Jesus corrects them and says, ha ha, you're the false teachers. You're the ones who didn't go to Bible school. You're the ones that don't know the law. That's what Jesus could have done. You know what? That's what I would have done. But Jesus is kind. That's one of the few moments that Jesus even shows kindness to the Pharisees who want to kill him. He knew the law of Moses. All of the law of Moses points to him, but instead, he does like a bypass and says, hey, it's so true. Which one of you is without sin? You should throw the first stone. You're like, what? Why? Jesus is kind. We are living in a time where the world is looking for people 
who although they might be right, although they have the right answer, although they can win a debate, although they're, they're fast with their words and fast with their typing, they're kind first. One of the things that's going to distinguish Christians maybe in the future is just that they were kind in a way that I'd never seen before. They were kind. Can we commit together to just being kind? Being kind in such a way that other people understand that God is calling them to something deeper. That God is trying to invite them to grow and to experience transformation. Can you imagine those religious leaders that day with the rocks in their hands? Stoning was a horrible way to die. You know, if you read about stoning in the ancient world, when you stone somebody in the ancient world and you start throwing small rocks first, in order to really kill people, you need a big rock at the end and you have to walk really close to them. Can you imagine? You know when we think of killing today? We think of some drone strike somewhere. I don't even know who the person is. You're dead. Can you imagine walking up to a person to stone them? Jesus is in the temple and you're like, this is like Sunday school in the morning. We're going to have a stoning. They start to drop their stones one at a time. Jesus teaches them a lesson about what it means that God is kind to them as well. They who had decided that the way God is going to be presented is a God who has rules, and if you break them, you pay. Jesus is like, that's true. God does have rules. But you maybe are just as much sinners as this woman. So maybe you go repent first. Can you imagine being the grandchildren of these religious leaders that day? Hey, Poppy. Hey, Grandma. What was, what was your day like? Did you teach anybody the Torah at the temple today? Yeah, we did. It was almost a stoning. A stoning? I never see one of those. What happened? Jesus was there. Jesus, the rabbi guy. Yeah. And what did he say? He just told us to get honest about our own sin first. Imagine what it would mean for us to raise a generation that knows that God is kind. He's just. He has principles to live by, but he's kind. So even when we hear them, we hear them from his kindness. And then the story is like profound, like everybody leaves. The disciples, the people that are there, remember the three people in the group? Who are they, for those who are still awake? The disciples who are listening there at the beginning, the woman, and these Pharisees. Pharisees gone, woman and Jesus, and teachable moment, the rest of the people who are there. And they're like, this woman is probably like, I can't believe it, I almost died today. This is horrible. Like, what's going to happen? She's crying, yelling. And you know what should happen next? Jesus should pick up a stone. And he should say to that woman, prepare yourself now. I'm the only one here that is without sin. I get to stone you. That's how this story should go. Everybody knows that. But it doesn't. Because Jesus is kind. Because Jesus is kind. Our Jesus is kind. 
Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. It's checkmate. To the religious leaders, kindness. To this woman, hey, you want to keep living this way? You will pay the price of death if you keep living this way. But I don't condemn you. Go now. Stop living this way. You know what that meant? That she would have to go home and tell her husband that she cheated on him? That she would have to get honest? And you know the pain of getting free from that would be? What do you think she did? We don't know. She doesn't write a story. She doesn't write a book. There's no testimony Sunday. We don't know. But we're left with this important question as we close. What would we do after we experienced God's kindness? How would we respond if we sensed God being kind to us in this way? And he says to us, now, you who've experienced my kindness, stop living in a way that traps you in the cycle of death, which is the biblical word for sin, by the way. Stop forgetting that there's a, ki- a type of kindness that leads to healing and life, and that's what God wants for you. Now, for me, I'd be like, that takes a long time. Remember, I'm not that patient. I'm working on it. I'd be more easily to tell the, the girl, hey, listen, you know, I'm going to try to stone you, but if you don't get your act together, you're going to hell. Next, back to the Bible lesson. I don't know. I think that I would do that. That's bad. That you shouldn't do that. But I think I would probably do that. Jesus is like, no, no, no. Just understand that you cannot continue to live this way. Jesus is trying to model for her and for us, people watching, that there's a God who is kind. Now, is he just? Yes. Is he serious about the law? Is he serious about the way we should live and the requirements by what it means to live a holy life? Yes. But he does it in such a way that he's kind and he helps us and he encourages us in this way. I want to close and as I was preparing and just praying about this, I'm going to have you stand. I'm going to pray for us. I just want to mention one really important thing and maybe it's not clear all the time. That one of the most important decisions you will make in your life One of the most important decisions that you will make in your life, you're watching online, you're listening on podcasts, just remember this, is to to surrender your life to this Jesus. This kind and loving and caring God who loves us so much that he, he tells us the truth, but in a kind way. He loves us so much that he doesn't fool around when it's time to get serious about sinfulness and about pain, and about bondage, and about the decisions that we make that push people away from God, that destroy our relationships. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never decided that you're going to follow this kind Jesus. You maybe not, never thought of Jesus and the word kind next to it. Maybe you've never done that before. Can I encourage you this morning? So maybe just close your eyes. If you're watching at home and you can close your eyes. 
and just commit today again. To saying yes to going wherever our kind Jesus goes. To doing whatever our kind Jesus does. To act the way our kind Jesus would act. Can we together commit to do that? Because this is what the Holy Spirit is producing in us. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, you probably have not experienced the power of this Holy Spirit to do that in you. So today might be the day, the first day, that you say yes to following the kind one, Jesus our Lord. Say yes. Just say yes. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. He'll teach you. He's teaching me to let the Holy Spirit produce kindness in us. Even when we're right, even when we want to win, we sang a song about victory. You know how God always wins the victory? By being kind. And He wins. In a world that says we're victorious by being strong, Jesus is kind. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and He's kind. Kind. If you're sensing that it's time to say yes to Jesus and you've never done that before, I'm going to pray now. And I'm going to pray that you take the next step. One, come talk to us and see us. And we want to help you to understand what it means to walk in the ways of our kind Jesus. And to follow him so that you grow up and become mature because by now, you should know that. Jesus, we thank you for the scriptures, for how your earliest followers, led by the Spirit, provide for us such clear examples of the kind of God that you are, the kind of loving Father that we have, and the way that the Holy Spirit reminds us and produces in us this new way of life. in a broken world, in an angry world, in a violent world where people laugh about killing them with kindness. We joke about things that break your heart when you're teaching us to be kind because it points people to you. Kind because it sets people free. Kind because it confronts in a way that leads to healing. Holy Spirit, produce this kind of kindness in us. Help us to take seriously what it means to become mature 
be able to handle solid food, to pass on the faith, and to put your words into practice. This week, Father, I pray you would give us each an opportunity to practice kindness. Teach us to hold our tongue, to not respond harshly, to be kind in such a way that other people would understand your love and your healing. We know that you love to do this, God. So help us to surrender to your ways. For those who maybe have said yes to surrendering to you for the very first time, listening online or listening in this room, Father, would you help us to encourage them to grow, to take the next step, to understand baptism and to begin to live lives set free of the power of sin and death. Help us to do that. Help us to encourage one another this week as we trust you more than we did last week. We pray in the name of our kind Lord Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. Be kind. So nice to see you all. Hey, if you have small kids, you know you have to pick them up. Don't wait too long because then we just throw them out. We love you. See you next week. God bless everyone. See you soon.